to have a little bit of fun today. Is it all right to have fun? They've won three out of four. So I get the sense that not everybody's as miserable as they've been most of the season. Let's do some fun. Good morning to you. Good Wednesday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. And this is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer daily shots of Steelers and Pirates in the same place that you found this. The team will be back on ice this morning for a practice at PPG Paints Arena, followed by a game tomorrow night against dun, 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 the Hurricanes, who will just come in here and mop the home team up, right? That's how it tends to go anymore between these two franchises. So between now and then, fun. Let's start with this. Valtteri Pustinen's good at hockey. I've been hearing that on a certain podcast for a couple of years now, but hey, he's here. He's showing it. And maybe, just maybe, it'll be enough to convince, well, not just Mike Sullivan, but Kyle Dubas and everybody else in the equation, he should be sticking around. Now, he could stick around and still have that completely screwed up because he's a young player and all young players are terrible and all young players deserve to be banished. Or so it seems around here for quite a while. What do you do with a player who shows, and I mean shows, that he belongs not only on your power play one that he might or might not have resurrected himself, but also on your top two forward lines, which as of the past decade even come with an extra little moniker. Being your top six. Oh, you're among the top six forwards. Yeah, this is our top six. This is our bottom six. Top six, bottom six. Didn't exist until 10 years ago, but here it is now. The division used to be that there was a number one line, a number two line. Your third line was your checking line. You'd have some big six foot three lunker as your center who would scare the other team and chase around the opponent's best player. And your fourth line was basically constituted of a bunch of minor league bangers. They didn't cost much. They didn't involve any real maintenance, and they would just provide you some energy. And if they got you a goal, it was just great. Well, if you go back to the Penguins' two most recent championships, which line was the most pivotal, not to say that they were the best, but the most pivotal, the one that was the most influential in determining the difference between Pittsburgh and whoever they were playing. Yeah, it was HBK. It was HBK because not only were they coming at you with ridiculous speed, but because of Nick Benino, because of Carl Hagelin, they took care of their own end. And because of Phil Kessel, principally, they were able to score goals once they got to the other end. It was a hell of a weapon to have. Well, these Penguins don't have that. They don't have anything remotely like that. However, and this is something that I've been preaching about all summer long in this calendar year, was that you needed to have a surprise or two or three along the way for this team to be deep enough to be able to contend It was not going to be a situation, and by the way, it still isn't, where Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and a couple other guys in your top six could carry you. Case in point, Sid and Gino are having wonderful seasons from a scoring standpoint. 
Jake Gensel still putting in the goals. And the team is still nowhere near contender status. So now let's take the case of Pustinen. And let's presume, which is really, really egregious, but I'm going to do it anyway, that Pustinen and Gino have some kind of chemistry. And, you know, watching the two of them execute what Pustinen essentially turned into a two-on-none is not going to be the measuring stick. But let's say that it happens. Let's say that Pustinen, who's a good distributor with a good vision, is able to give Gino what he wants and needs, which is almost always just the puck. And let's say it happens. Now, Brian Rust is out of the lineup. He's probably going to be out of the lineup for a little while. So this isn't going to come to fruition anytime soon. But by the time Rust comes back, it's also reasonably safe to predict that we're going to see some actual offense from Ricard Raquel. And now you're going to have three of these guys. You're going to have three right wingers who would belong in your top six. At which point, why should it be a top six? Why shouldn't it be a top nine? Let's say, for example, that your third line center remains. This is obvious. Lars Eller. And let's say that Drew O'Connor, I don't really know what's going on with his game right now. I can't say with a clear conscience that I've studied his game of late. I just know that I haven't liked it a lot. I haven't thought to myself, oh, hey, there's a good play by 10. And I was doing that a lot earlier this season, and I haven't been doing it for a while. But let's say that he can get back to that. Let's say that he can get back to at least being that fierce four checker who makes a difference and gets the puck for others and goes to the net and all that stuff. What if one of your three right wingers, whether it's Raquel, Rust, and now Pustinen, goes to that line? And what if it's not Pustinen? This is where I'm really headed here. What if it's Raquel or Rust? Well, if it's Raquel, you've got really good size on that line. You've got two guys for sure who are sound defensively in Eller and Raquel, and you could produce something that's, again, not HBK, but something that's in that spirit, something that allows the team to create enough offensively, also make sure you're taking care of business, and then from there, your fourth line gets gets stronger too. And, and this is part of what I've been moaning about, I guess, for a couple of years now, which is that if you never give these kids a chance, if you never leave them out there for more than two, three games, whatever it is, if you bury them at the first next opportunity that you have when a healthy veteran returns, you never allow the depth to just kind of keep pushing lesser players further down the chart. We come back, J1Q. Today's J1Q comes from Ken. Boy, are we on the same wavelength here, he says. DK, I was at the game Monday night against 
Minnesota, and I was thinking about the return of Brian Russ to the lineup and who'd get bumped out. I think the time has come to bump Radim Zahorna out. And if they lose him, no big loss. He doesn't bring anything to this team. He doesn't play big. He takes stupid penalties. And really, he doesn't score. He's truly become the big zero. Oh, Ken, is this the real reason you sent this? <laughs> seeing, seeing Rust or Ricard Raquel on the third line gives this team more chances to score than what we have now. Just my two cents. Ken, I, I'm not going to disagree with you uh, at all on Zahorna. I do appreciate that you maybe subconsciously moved either Rust or Raquel to the third line rather than Pustinen. But I, I just want to see this team get deeper. I, I want to see this forward group become capable of more things than just having a third line that sometimes is good, most of the time just kills the clock, and a fourth line that does nothing but kill the clock. This is now three years in a row of a fourth line that does nothing other than kill the clock. Oh, and of course, house penalty killers. That's the main dominant role of the Penguins' fourth line the last couple of years. It's just, this is a place where you store your PK guys until you need them. If Zahorna brings something significant to this lineup, I don't see it. I do see, obviously, that he's a really big dude. I do see that he skates with that frame unnaturally well. To the point that when you watch him skating, you don't think to yourself that he's a big dude. He doesn't look clunky or awkward or like he's about to fall on his face. But the other way in which he doesn't look like a big dude is he doesn't do anything with it. And no, I'm not going to go all caveman on you here and suggest that he should be fighting or knocking people into the next century. He literally doesn't do anything with it. He doesn't utilize it. For better body positioning, he doesn't utilize it to win the puck. He doesn't utilize it even to just kind of make space for himself when he's possessing the puck. You know, the old Yarmir Yager stick your butt in the dude's face approach, for those of you who will recall that. He's not any of those things. You have seen at times, I've seen at times, mostly in practice, that he can shoot a hockey puck. But how often does that come into play? How often do you see his shot? Never mind whether it's any good or not. I, I just, I appreciated that he came up to this team on his most recent promotion with what seemed to be a fresher attitude and a different attitude, uh, stating defiantly and on the record that he was here to stay. This was it. This was the one he wasn't going to be that guy who just keeps shuttling up and down from the NHL to the minors. But this isn't it. This level of play from him isn't it. I like that he got the chance. No regrets there. I think when you have someone who has those natural gifts, you at least have to see if they play themselves out. Well, he's played himself out. And my guess is that if he doesn't like shuttling back and forth to the miners, the next shuttle that he'll take will be to play over in Europe. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. I'm going to do another one of these tomorrow. 